This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the Stand with Amy Dunphy. Now, in the United States this year, there have been 600 mass shootings. It's a staggering figure. And this week, there were two such shootings, one in a gay nightclub, which was horrific, and one in a Walmart store by a former employee. We're joined from Washington now by Niall Standish. Niall is associate editor of The Hill, a respected Washington newspaper for not being as partisan in a crazy way, as a lot of American media outlets are. And Niall is the White House columnist for The Hill as well. Niall, just to begin by asking you about this staggering figure to us of 600 mass shootings in the United States this year. The Second Amendment confers the right to bear arms. Is it just another statistic? Where the two shootings this week out of the ordinary, as it were, in any way? And how does it feel to live in a country with that kind of violence Mm. in the air? Uh, I mean, to take the final part of that question first, it's uh, terrible, obviously, that gun violence and gun deaths, mass shootings, are so commonplace here. And it is something that you think about in day-to-day life in a way that you know, I don't think people in Ireland or Britain or elsewhere in the world do think uh, about. The issue uh, of 600 mass shootings, um, of course, it depends partly how you define these things, but that comes from a a statistic that considers uh, anything in which four or more people other than the attacker were shot. And this is the third year in a row that the US has surpassed 600 of those incidents in a year. A terribly bleak statistic, a terribly bleak picture. There was some progress very much around the edges on gun laws a few months ago. President Biden has said that he would favor an assault weapons ban of a sort that there had been uh, during the Clinton administration. There's no real chance of that passing legislatively at the moment. And, uh, you know, you asked about these shootings, which, uh, you know, six people in addition to the attacker shot dead at that Walmart and five people in the nightclub in Colorado. 
Uh, those things were, of course, big news in the immediate aftermath. Um, they're already uh, fading from the headlines as I speak to you on yes. Friday morning U.S. time. And, you know, they just become part of the sort of general um, backdrop to life here, which is in itself uh, part of the problem, I would say. Yeah, and the Second Amendment of the Constitution conferring the right to bear arms, it does reflect a view of government, doesn't it? Mm. That would not be the same view that we in Europe would have of government. It, it reflects a suspicion that the government are not on your side, that the government are, well, you tell me if I'm, yeah. I don't want to be amateur psychologist here, but it, it does hint at the fact, or more than hint, mm. that the government is, is not on your side or not necessarily on your side. And that is reflected in so many ways. This is just the most ugly and distressing way. Yeah, I think that is a fair point. I mean, the, the basic gist of those who defend uh, the right to bear arms on a constitutional basis or on a philosophical basis is this idea that uh, the citizenry being armed would prevent tyrannical government. Yes. Now, that is uh, a, a problematic argument, I think, in all kinds of ways. Uh, not least the fact that uh, whether that's really what the Second Amendment says is is debatable. The Second Amendment refers to a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms yes. shall not be infringed. The issue, well, there are many issues with, with all of this. One is the availability of military-style uh, weapons. Yes. to anyone who basically wishes to buy them so long as they pass a fairly rudimentary background check. I have, as you know, Eamon, been in the United States a long time, since uh, 2003. Fairly early in my time here, I was reporting on a mass shooting at Virginia Tech, and I went to the gun store, or one of the gun stores where the shooter there had purchased his weapons. And honestly, I mean, to anyone from a background outside the United States, it would... Uh, put the hairs up on the back of your neck, the kind of weaponry that is just yes. you know, sitting there to be purchased. I mean, crazy stuff, uh, military-style yep. weapons. Okay, let's move on now to an intriguing consequence of the recent midterm elections. That is the pressure that is on Donald Trump and the emergence now in the Republican Party of a serious rival, that is Governor Ron DeSantis, who is the governor of Florida. Florida has always been a swing state. People will remember in 1990, Al Gore and George W. Bush, it was that close that they had to deal with hanging chads and that and end <laughs> up in the Supreme Court. But he won by 20 points. He is clearly a figure of some substance now and is perceived, is he not, as somebody who could take Trump on, if he chose to, for the Republican nomination. Yes, that's right. I mean, Ron DeSantis had the best midterms of any Republican in the country, really, because of that resounding victory in Florida. Uh, DeSantis is very clearly the most serious rival to Trump for the Republican nomination. That reality was, I think, reflected when the Donald has started taking him on and, and uh, 
sneering at him as Rond Sanctimonious, which is yes. the, the new nickname for from Trump for him. But DeSantis is a very conservative figure. A Trump-DeSantis battle would not aim and be the kind of standard thing we often see within political parties where a, a hardliner runs against a moderate. They are both very much in that right-wing MAGA populist yes. mold. DeSantis's sell, DeSantis's appeal to Republican voters is that he could be better at it than Trump, uh, yes. basically because he would perhaps be more appealing on a national level and, more to the point, he's much more um, disciplined, much more competent in knowing where the levers of power are, and much less prone to shoot himself in the foot by mad tweets or the like. Uh, and he might, he might also actually believe some of it. Yes. <laughs> Just think about the Donaldus. <laughs> Who knows what's going on in that wonderful head of his. Sure. But in a piece that you wrote this week, you looked at poll numbers and the polls find at the moment Trump leading mm-hmm. DeSantis 46% to 28% in one poll with Mike Pence, the former vice president, running at 7%. Now, Pence is, of course, somebody who could have emerged. And there's another poll you cite where Trump was 55%, DeSantis 25%. Mm. But DeSantis hasn't really declared, and we don't know if he started canvassing. Mm-hmm. What do you think he will do? Do you think he will declare? Uh, I think he probably will. Now, I... I No people in Trump's camp who think that he won't, who think that DeSantis is more calculating. He's a very young man by politician standards. He's only in his 40s. And he could hang around and let Trump um, burn himself out. The thing about that theory, Eamon, is that, as you know, in politics, anywhere in the world, Sometimes your your moment arrives yes. and you have to go in that moment or not. And DeSantis, I think it's probably his moment on the back of that strong performance in the midterms when there's clearly an appetite for him to run among Republicans. And when Trump is, is honestly vulnerable, you, you cited those polls, which do, of course, show Trump with a significant lead among Republican voters. But that lead has been narrowed fairly significantly already. There are some polls that show DeSantis and Trump closer. And uh, while I suppose Trump would still be uh, a favorite to win the Republican nomination, I mean, uh, he would no longer be a prohibitive favorite. So DeSantis might fancy his chances. What do we know about DeSantis' beliefs? Mm. I'm thinking in particular of his vehemence over the COVID matter Mm. and his I suppose it could be called libertarian view Mm -hmm. that getting vaccinated and keeping socially distant and all of that stuff was nonsense. I don't want to misrepresent him. He seemed to be saying, if if my memory is correct, look, go about your normal business. Don't worry too much about this. Was his position more nuanced than that? Not much more nuanced, honestly. I mean, he wasn't, I, I don't think it would be fair to describe him as an outright COVID denier, and I, I know you didn't do so. Yeah. He wasn't saying that the thing didn't exist, but he was certainly vigorously opposed to the most restrictive measures. He uh, 
kept Florida's economy open for the most part, despite the fact that it is a state that many, many people retire to, and so it has a disproportionately yes. older population. Um, it was, in terms of per capita deaths from COVID, it was certainly in the top half, or if not top quarter of US states, but it also didn't suffer economically to the extent that some states did. And just just briefly, Eamon, to underline DeSantis's very uh, almost belligerent attitude to these things, he has tangled with Biden on COVID, but also with Dr. Anthony Fauci, the, who just uh, resigned this week, who, yeah. who just resigned, is, is just leaving office, including on one occasion describing or, or suggesting that Fauci should be thrown across the Potomac, the, the river yes. that's just outside here in Washington, because DeSantis argued so vehemently against the kind of restrictions Fauci favors. So that's right. where he is. Just a final question on him. Does he have a worldview? Mm. Would he favor NATO? And would he favor at the moment, or has he spoken on the support for Ukraine in their present problems with Russia. Is he, in other words, likely to be an isolationist and see America take not a leading role in the West or in NATO, but mm. a more isolationist position? Do we know um, any of that? We know not a whole lot of it because he has generally avoided foreign affairs simply because it doesn't have much of an impact on his job as Florida governor. Yeah. Now, he has um, appeared to be a bit sceptical of U.S. aid and was also, to, uh, to Ukraine, I mean, and was also, uh, there was a strange controversy where Elon Musk had floated before before his most recent dramas yes. some sort of peace proposal, which was very vaguely uh, outlined. DeSantis uh, weighed in on Elon Musk's side in that, which suggests at a minimum that he doesn't believe that the U.S. should aid Ukraine indefinitely and until victory, but has some more sceptical view than that. Yeah, and might take a view, as the many on the right in the United States do, that America has lost too much blood and treasure on mm. foreign adventures that had nothing to do with them. Right, exactly, which is becoming um, an increasingly prevalent view, uh, certainly in parts of the Republican Party, even though other parts still hold to a more traditionally uh, hawkish view of U.S. military. Yeah, now the Donald and his legal troubles, this week there were some, in fact, I think it was last Friday after we'd spoken to you, mm. Mm -hmm. Too late to mention it, but there was an announcement by the Attorney General that they were appointing a special counsel mm -hmm. to look into, I think it's the Mar-a-Lago business with the, I'm not sure exactly, but you, I hope you'll explain it to us. Mm -hmm. First of all, what has the special counsel been appointed to do? Mm -hmm. Who is he? Mm -hmm. I know his name is Smith. Mm -hmm. And what powers does he possess? in terms of an indictment. Right. So in terms of what he does, he's taking over the investigations by the Department of Justice here into two matters. One is the sensitive or classified documents that were found at Mar-a-Lago. The other is the broader Department of Justice investigation into January the 6th 
that investigation yes. is separate from the high-profile congressional hearings that were held on that matter. It's uh, a man by the name of Jack Smith is the special counsel. He is a career prosecutor here. Most recently, he has been prominent because he has been involved in trying to bring uh, war criminals to account in The Hague. He's generally well respected. He has a, a solid record that doesn't appear to be skewed in any partisan fashion. The important point, I think, Eamon, is the reason for his appointment is to try to insulate the Department of Justice from the accusation that it will decide to indict Trump in order to hurt Trump and help Biden in yes. the forthcoming election. That's the intention. The intention is that you appoint a special counsel uh, who will therefore be insulated theoretically from political influence. Now, of course, Donald Trump doesn't accept that. Donald Trump's most ardent supporters won't accept that. But the hope is that you persuade some people in the middle ground that this is a show of independence. And what can he recommend? Hmm. Is his recommendation, or hers if it's a woman, hmm. binding? Um, it is not entirely binding, but the special counsel can recommend whether to indict someone or not. If the special counsel said, no, uh, Trump should not be indicted in these matters, and Merrick Garland, for example, said, well, I think he should, so we'll go ahead and indict him, there would be a political uproar over that. May or may not be the right decision, of course, but it would seem to be a, the demonstration of political partiality that a special counsel is appointed to avoid. So um, that role, I mean, the, the, the intention is really to underscore or to persuade the public that any decision on whether to indict Trump or not would be made on the facts and the law, as the Department of Justice is fond of saying, not on uh, political considerations. And in a case in New York, which is a civil case, mm -hmm. he's also had bad news, hasn't he? Yes. I mean, Donald Trump is under pressure in a civil case in New York, brought by the Attorney General there, Letitia James. Um, that is a case against the Trump organization. There's no, to be clear, there's no danger of Trump or anyone else for that matter going to jail as a result of that specific probe. That is a probe where uh, vast damages are being sought and restrictions on the Trump organization's capacity to do business are being sought. The, the other thing I just want to mention briefly, Eamon, is that there's a fourth danger to Trump, which is a, a probe or investigation in Georgia into attempts by his yes. and his allies to overturn the 2020 election result there. And that could result in uh, criminal charges uh, for Trump or for other people close to him. Yes, and the other emerging trend is that big contributors to the Republican Party, and you point this out in, in the piece you sent me, are now tending to come out, some of them publicly, and say Trump is the past, DeSantis is the future, and to donate their money accordingly. And that is a serious development because at the heart of every presidential election and many other elections in the United mm. States is money. 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, there have been several of these uh, so-called mega donors, typically multi-multi-millionaires or billionaires, who have become increasingly vocal in their criticisms of Trump. Uh, one example is a hedge fund guy called Ken Griffin, who recently said that Trump was a three-time loser and the GOP needs to move on from him. Um, there are others who have uh, given millions and millions of dollars to DeSantis, a, a, a property magnet here during the summer, gave DeSantis a $10 million check for his uh, political uh, action committee. These things are important. Now, Trump can obviously draw on the support of uh, you know the, the small uh, small dollar donations, and he will have plenty of money from uh, regular citizens who the general public in the Republican side who remain ardent backers of his. But those mega donors, I think, are reflective of a uh, shift or an increasing assertiveness on the part of power brokers within the Republican Party to express their uh, concern about Trump. It's not generally a moral concern. It's the concern that he would lose an election if nominated. Yeah. I saw a quote from his former attorney general, William Barr, mm. who said that <laughs> Trump will burn the house down mm. rather than let anyone else be the nominee or be the voice of Republicanism. Yes, that's right. I mean, you know, getting further into this sort of hypothetical, if, let's say, for example, DeSantis were to beat Trump, for the Republican nomination, then, of course, a question would become, would Trump consider uh, a third-party bid or would he undermine DeSantis in various other ways? This is, I think, one of the difficulties that the Republican Party has to really grapple with. On one hand, Donald Trump is unpopular with the public at large. On the other hand, he's very popular with the Republican base. So there is this question of whether you're damned if you do and damned if you don't, where he's concerned. If you nominate him, you're nominating an extremely polarizing figure. If you don't nominate him, you're risking the disillusionment and anger of his supporters. And he claims to have stuff on this act. He does. He does. (laughs) I I think he accused DeSantis of being a wimp. He said his wife really does all the work. And he has has hinted that there are various things he knows which he will expose if DeSantis runs. Now, whether that's just typical bluster or not, I guess we'll probably find out in due course. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Now, there is another story I'd like to talk to you about, Niall, mm. and it involves Ticketmaster and Taylor Swift's mm. concert in the United States this week. She's a huge star, wonderful mm-hmm. young woman, and there was a nightmare for people who were trying to get tickets who were genuine fans. Mm. Ticketmaster is now a massive monopoly, mm. now owned by Live Nation, and it appears that Taylor Swift and her fans were both sort of, should we say, inconvenienced and hurt Mm. by what happened. Tell us that story. Yeah, it's an interesting story, and one of those ones that's just an interesting political story or has become one. So Taylor Swift is great, and she's probably one of the biggest, if not biggest, stars in music right now. She's going on tour for the so-called Eras tour, and there was it was just a debacle, basically, whenever tickets went on sale through Ticketmaster. People were waiting for hours and hours in online queues. Yes. It, it, the whole thing just messed up catastrophically. Then, in, instantly, there were tickets being sold on the so-called secondary market for just obscene prices. I mean, tickets re- were in the tens of thousands of dollars in some instances. Yes. The, the political point here, and you already alluded to it in your introduction, is that Ticketmaster and Live Nation emerged about 10 years ago. Ticketmaster being by far the biggest ticket selling operation. Live Nation owning venues, being a huge concert promoter and being increasingly a major manager of music artists. I think they manage you too, if I'm not mistaken. Forgive me if I am. No, they they may well do in the, in the post-Paul yeah. McGuinness uh, yes. era. Yeah, and I mean, they manage, according to themselves, they manage about more than 400 artists around the world. The, the point really is, it is on its face a de facto monopoly. I mean, this company, at least in the US, I can't speak to Ireland anymore, um, but at least in the US, controls the live music industry. And as with most mono- monopolies, that ends up, in a mess that doesn't serve the interests of consumers. And isn't competition and the facilitation of it one of the core values of America? 
Well, it is, and that is why, or one of the reasons why, there are now going to be Senate hearings into this. And there is also a Department of Justice investigation, which apparently preceded uh, the Taylor Swift debacle. Um, basically, uh, this is a rare show of bipartisanship, but a Democratic senator, Amy Klobuchar, and a yes. rather conservative Republican senator, Mike Lee, have announced plans for Senate hearings on this for essentially exactly the reason that you suggest. This just seems very contrary to how uh, business is supposed to work in a, in a capitalistic model like the US, where competition is supposed to ensure the better deal for consumers. And uh, as I say, there's also a Department of Justice investigation and uh, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez uh, has called for Live Nation and uh, Ticketmaster to be uh, split up for that joint company to be uh, split up and, and some semblance of competition to be reintroduced. And just a final political question, Niall. I see in The Hill, your newspaper, mm. a suggestion that the Democrats should nominate a Republican successor to Nancy Pelosi, who, of course, is at the moment the Speaker, but she will be no longer the Speaker when the Republicans take over with a majority on January 1st. Mm. It sounds like a rather novel way of doing Kevin McCarthy in, does it? <laughs> yeah, that is, I think that is basically the, the theory. Uh, uh, Kevin... I mean, our, our, our Kevin, uh, or my Kevin, as, as the Donald yeah, often yeah. refers to him. Uh, yes, uh, long story short, Kevin McCarthy is the favorite to become Speaker, but it's not guaranteed. The reason it isn't guaranteed is to become Speaker, you need an outright majority of the people voting in the House of Representatives. Republicans have a very narrow majority, and people on McCarthy's right, a handful of them have declared they won't vote for him and some others may not vote for him. So Democrats, uh, kind of as mischief-making, honestly, yes. could nominate some other Republican. You can you can nominate pretty much anyone and see if that sows further discord in the Republican ranks. And there's already quite a lot of discord there because the Republican Party is still grappling between its pro and pro-Trump and Trump skeptical factions. Yeah, it's just interesting, Kevin McCarthy. Nobody in Ireland has stepped forward to claim him. I mean, <laughs> we claimed Ronald Reagan. We claimed Barack Obama. Everybody has claimed. But so far, <laughs> Kevin McCarthy's Irish relatives are keeping their head down. So maybe <laughs> we should stop talking about him. Now, thank you very much indeed for joining us today. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh -huh. And thank you. we look forward to talking to you next week. That's Niall Stanich and uh, we're grateful to Niall to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 